Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. For the first time ever, we are also proud to announce that we are brought to you today by Atlas Chartered Accountants and the Hornsby Karingai Post. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you tonight for what is a big night of news and updates with regards to one of our favourite sports, ice hockey. 2022 was a difficult year for the Australian Ice Hockey League with the competition virtually going into hiatus. On top of that, 2021 will be equally difficult, but... Some of the challenges have already been rectified and we are going to be able to see some sort of matches occurring throughout the course of the season. Tonight, we have one of our favourites joining us on the show and with him, a man with more experience in the game of ice hockey in Australia than really almost anyone currently associated with the AIHL. First off, let's go to our returning champion. He's ready for another season and I'm... I'm hesitant, but I'm pretty sure we can say he's very much enjoying life as an employed man. Jeremy Vasquez, welcome back to Splinters. Anthony, thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. How are you finding working life now, mixing it with the ice hockey? Um, it's interesting, but um, I like uh, I like the challenge to kind of manage time. But I like uh, I like both environments. So it's good to have two different places to be. And, and, and the money helps sometimes, doesn't it? It does a little bit. <laughs> just just a bit, just a bit. Now, joining him tonight is the head coach of the Sydney Ice Dogs, the brains of the squad. He's had a major role with the Ice Dogs over the last few years, and we're very excited to say he's making his debut with us on Triple A Sports. Andrew Petrie, good evening to you. Uh, thanks for having me, Anthony. Very, uh, very happy to be joining you today. Now, you, you've had a, a, a lot fairly decent uh, association with the Sydney Ice Dogs and you've seen them sort of grow over the last couple of ye- over the last couple of years the squad even though you've had your challenges due to covid it's a spot where i think you're pretty happy with it and you think you could make a pretty decent tilt over the next couple of years yeah definitely look there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes as with every club but uh, we've had a fairly concerted effort with some new people on the board um, just putting some, uh, you know, some of the right people in the right places to put our best foot forward. And we're pretty confident, as you said, for the next couple of years here. As we mentioned, ice hockey in Australia uh, is in a rebuild phase after COVID-19 knocked out the 2020 season for the AIHL. And while the rebuild will be slow, there are some amazing opportunities to come for players and clubs. A lot of talk about between them. We're going to go through the competitions. Well, not so much the competitions, but the series of matches that will be played over the course of the season. What prospects there will be going forward later on in the year once the vaccines come through. Have a look at what's going to be potentially happening in 2022. And we're going to have a little bit more of an in-depth look when it comes to the Ice Dogs. Plenty of news to come out of this and so much more. So with that, puck drop is about to happen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. Now, we're going to kick things off with the announcement that occurred on the... 12th of February with the AIHL making the announcement that the good old cup 
won't be up for grabs in 2021 owing to the fact that obviously the the clubs won't be able to travel between states and the challenges you have financially running this kind of competition, especially considering it's non-profit during the year of COVID. However, there were discussions of a super series that was to be occurring between the teams within New South Wales. On the 12th of February, Andrew, we had formal announcement of that competition, the McCormick Cup. The first question I come to you is, and I guess for the listeners who are joining in with us on this podcast, who is Mick McCormick? Ah, thanks for asking me that. Mick, Mick's a uh, Mick's a guy who's been a supporter of ice hockey for a number of years um, uh, in Australia. Um, you know, without going too much of the backstory, he uh, he had a, a guy working with him who was a Canadian fella. Uh, they used to go skiing over in Whistler. Mick eventually went and watched, um, I believe, the Vancouver Canucks play in the NHL over there in Canada. Oh, that's that's disappointing to start off with. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a Canucks fan, of course. But, uh, yeah, and then it, he just fell in love with the game. And I guess um, uh, through Brad Evans is, is the colleague that he had um, discovered the AIHL and, and, and fell in love with that. Um, and the sport – you know, as a whole, is very, very lucky to have uh, Mick. Uh, he's poured a lot of time and effort and uh, and not an inconsiderable sum of money behind the sport over a number of years now. Now, Jeremy, it, it's given that not only the clubs, but the administration itself is set up as, as a non-profit organisation. You've seen, and not only as a player, but also with your, with your mother having important roles within... Um, ice hockey as well. You've seen some of the challenges with trying to make sure that the competition and the clubs stay financially viable. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always a challenge to get bums on seats and, you know, get get revenue through and make sure that, that the competitions run smoothly. But especially with COVID, it's been like even more difficult. And But I think now that everything's going back to normal, um, the clubs, you know, they're going to have to find a way, and I think I think everyone will be stronger going forward. Now, um, Andrew, we we've now seen some of the clubs coming out, and really, I think I don't know how long it's been since we've seen something like this, but quite a few of the clubs really working together to try and get something going. Because at the end of the day, the one way you see these clubs and the competition stay financially viable is to get players on the ice and to get, as Jeremy said, get bums on seats. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's a, the, all the governors of all the uh, the eight teams in the OHL, um, we would, uh, you know, to a man and woman, we'd all say yes if we could play a full season, but there were just too many roadblocks and uncertainties. Um, you know, there was no way to predict when COVID uh, sanctions were going to, you know, uh, ease. There was no way to predict whether we were going to be able to travel interstate. And, and with, you know, the work that goes into just raising enough money to make it viable to play in the season, we had to make the call that we couldn't have a full AIHL season um, in 20, uh, 2021. But uh, then it fell on the, the sort of geographically located teams to try and sort out series between themselves. And, and, and there's a fair bit of that happening in the background right now. Well, let's go into it because, of course, we now have the Mick McCormick Cup. The rumours were expected that there was going to be the four New South Wales teams competing in this competition. However, when the announcement came out, um, I think to everyone's surprise, the Sydney Bears have announced that they will not be competing in it and it will be just the the Sydney Ice Dogs, the Newcastle North Stars and the CBR Brave. Now, along with that announcement, Andrew... 
was the further announcement that the Ice Dogs would be moving to a new ice centre in Erina. Yeah. Um, we're really fortunate, actually. The, 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 the rink at Erina was closed down for, um, I don't understand all the technical details, but something akin to an asbestos um, issue. Um, they had a uh, some refurbishment uh, went went on. Uh, there was a change of hands in in the lease, um, and the rink reopened in in just magnificent condition. And, and we're currently uh, fortunate for the boys uh, and for the quality of hockey we'll get to play there. We're we're playing on what I would call the equal best ice surface in the country. Um, a lot of people might not know who don't play ice hockey, but the quality of the surface you play on that makes a massive difference to the level of skill that the players are able to execute during the game. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful facility. It, it'll hold a lot of fans. Um, it's really well lit. It's in great condition. And, and we've been on the ice now, I think, about seven or eight times, and, and all the boys are pretty pumped about it. And, Jeremy, the, the, the travel up to Arena at, at certain times of the, of the day is actually surprisingly a lot easier than what most people think, especially given the recent upgrades to um, to transport in the area. So Arana, in terms of a logistical aspect, is not uh, as big a challenge as what most people would actually think. Yeah, it's really not that bad with the with the new North Connects. And um, it, it definitely relieves a lot of traffic going up there. But um, I've, I think on, on a Saturday or a Sunday at 5 p.m., I think it, it would be pretty reasonable timing to get up there for a game. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the, and I guess the other thing, Andrew, with this is that the you've now got the opportunity to really break ice hockey into a new market, being that that Central Coast region, somewhere that to a, to a certain extent probably hasn't been exposed to anything like the AIHL. They did have a team uh, historically called the Central Coast Rhinos that competed in the AIHL for, a, I think, a three- or four-year period in the mid-2000s. Um, I actually got dragged out of retirement by uh, Dion Dunwoody, who was the coach up here uh, back then uh, and played played in one of their final seasons as a very old, slow man. Uh, but there is a, a very strong uh, and vigorous hockey community up here that I think has been starved for this level of competition. So, um, you know, we're very hopeful and we're, we're going to great lengths to reconnect with that community and, and make sure that we make them feel warm and, and welcome at, uh, at our home games this season. Much like what you did a couple of years ago when you – I guess rejuvenated the days of the old Warringah Bombers. Yeah, yeah, another team that I've played for uh, historically. Um, the uh, yeah, it, it's great to just sort of reinvigorate those sort of older communities, and and those communities don't go away. You know, we, we talk about the Bombers. There's several hundred people on a Facebook page from the Bombers, and they haven't really competed uh, at the AIHL or, or national level for probably fifteen or more years now. So. Um, similarly with the you know the Central Coast Rhinos guys up here and, and, and ladies up here, we're just really hopeful that we can you know touch those emotional chords and get them back amongst it, uh, albeit supporting a, a different team with a different name and different colors, but it's the same game and um, you know the love of the game never goes away. Being a Northern Beaches boy, I still have very strong memories of the old uh, Narrabeen Ice Rink right on um, right on the lagoon. Now, now it's for those who don't know, that is now Woolworths, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, that used to be one of the premier locations to go to of a Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. Um, one of my first experiences in ever coming to Sydney. I'm from Melbourne originally. Uh, came up with the uh, Victorian under 16 side, and we played in a tournament at um, at Warringah. Um, I won't tell you what year that was because it'll it'll age and date me terribly. But yeah, um, it was a fantastic place, full of very parochial fans, and it was always difficult to go in there and get a win against uh, the Bombers <laughs> or the New South Wales teams. 
Oh, the, 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 that's just that's just the Northern Beaches in general. It's like going up against any team that comes from the Shire. So, yeah, uh, yeah entirely pleasant if you're the opposition. Yes. Let's let's go through the McCormick um, Cup schedule. So, as we mentioned beforehand, the Sydney Ice Dogs, the CBR Brave, the Newcastle North Stars, you've sort of created now this great little local derby now as a result with the um, with the Newcastle North Stars and it's going to kick things off in early May and it's Jeremy it's a trip down it's a trip against the CBR Brave to start off with but then on the 15th you make your first trip for ice hockey in a while out to the Philip Ice Skating Arena yeah that's um it's going to be good to get the first game up in Erina but uh, I'm always dreading that that uh that trip down just with the crazy fans and the the cage around the around the rink, it's definitely a different environment to play in. And certainly, Andrew, a lot of people talk about the the feeling of playing against Canberra that it is probably about as close as you get to a full on NHL atmosphere. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of great atmospheres around the league. Um, you know, local derbies in Sydney, the local derbies in Melbourne are always wonderful. Um, uh, you know, having uh, equal numbers of opposing fans in the building. But in terms of pure parochialism, it, it's tough to beat uh, uh, Canberra. Uh, you go down there into a very hostile environment and, uh, you know, you're, you're up against it from the, from the very first drop of the puck. So um, it's, it's an invigorating trip. And as a coach and, and as a leadership group for players, it's, it's um, one of the biggest challenges of the year to get everybody up and ready to go down there and, and play your best. Now, Jeremy, you up against the Newcastle. We've known about the history of the CBR Braves, but the Newcastle North Stars, um, a couple of years ago when they completed the last Goodall Cup, were really the surprise packet of the uh, entire competition and really did come within a whisker of winning the competition. Yeah, that was that was a great run for them. Um, but now it's 2021 and it's a different story. And, you know, whatever's happened in the past doesn't matter because it's a complete different game now. And, and indeed, this is the this is going to be one of the big talking points. And I come to you, Andrew, with regards to this: is the overseas players that are going to be allowed to play in this competition. The AIHL in the past has been a sort of a, a breeding ground for international players to get their feet wet in a competition, with the hope that they might be able to pick up a contract, say, in North America or in the European leagues. But this year, that won't be happening. Yeah, look, again, it's it, it, there were several reasons for it, but um, each of the governors, the three governors, uh, myself and uh, Gary Dore and Dan Amodio down in Canberra, um, we just had to make a gentleman's agreement that we wouldn't be um, flying in players to play in this competition. Um, and, and that, you know, that, that sounds like there'll be a, um, uh, you know, some sort of a decreased product on the ice, but I'd beg to differ with that because it gives very hungry, very talented young Australian guys an opportunity to put their best foot forward and, you know, stake a claim to be uh, AHL players of the future. Um, we've got, uh, you know, half a dozen of these kids aged somewhere between sort of 16 and 19 in our in our um, organisation, uh, and they've been flying at practice, absolutely chomping at the bit to get an opportunity to play. And that's exciting, uh, I'm sure, for Jeremy and the rest of the senior players, but, but for us as a coaching staff, it's extremely exciting. It, it gives opportunities that's never been um, available in, in the past. And, you know, Jeremy, your your position now almost um, almost is – it's hard to say considering your age at the moment, but you're almost now starting to look at like one of the senior players in the squad. Yeah, it's um, 
it's definitely a new look on uh, on the AIHL career, but um, with the absence of of uh, of international players, uh, I'm completely fine with stepping up. You know, I've had uh, I've had leadership roles in my previous junior teams overseas, so it's nothing new to me. So let's go through the uh, the rest of the competition. It's um, six matches in May, five matches in June, but it's going to really ramp up in July and August, right at the peak of the winter season. And the season expected to finish off on the twenty second of August with a um, that's sorry, that's sorry, I got distracted by um, by Nicole just then for a second. I'll start that off again. All good. The Season concludes on the 22nd of, of August with a Newcastle CBR uh, doubleheader down in, at Phillip Ice Skating Arena. What will be the discussions in terms of a final series? Will it just be the top two teams playing off for the um, for the McCormick Cup? Yeah, um, Anthony, there's been a lot of discussion amongst the three of us about that. I think probably what will happen is if we have a final series at all, it will likely include all three teams but it may just yeah. be played over the course of a, a Friday to Sunday weekend at a single venue. Now, again, I can't commit to that because that's just one of the, the uh, options that's been floated. Um, and we've left it, um, you know, for a decision to be made for a later date based on a, a bunch of, you know, moving targets currently. Um, we'd also like to, if possible, organise some exhibition games against some of the other AIHL teams uh, that may or may not be able to travel towards the mid-back end of the season. Um, so there's a lot of sort of... Uh, possibilities still, and and nothing really is written in in concrete for the end of the season. Yeah, that's to be expected given the amount of moving parts to this, not only from an AIHL perspective, but certainly externally um, with government intervention to occur with that. So, Correct. you know, this, it's certainly I, this certainly much a a watch and act in terms of what can go. But for now, at least it's a positive move play on the ice to occur, there is the opportunity to go and watch and certainly we cannot wait to see what happens with it. Before we um, get to the break, which will be in a few minutes' time, let's go through a couple of the other men, um, announcements that has come up, come about that's been made available. And the most interesting one that's come out so far has been the Sydney Bears. Now, the, the Bears originally were part of this discussion uh, for what was originally called a Super Series, now known as the McCormick Cup. But the announcement obviously coming through at the same time that the McCormick Cup, that the Sydney Bears would not be competing in it. Uh, there, there hasn't been a lot of detail that have come from the Bears at this stage, apart from an announcement that there will be an exhibition match with the Newcastle North Stars on the 24th of April. Now, they've announced that one of their challenges, along with what's been experienced with the Ice Dogs, and this could be spoken for both both Andrew and Jeremy, uh, has been the situation with the Macquarie Ice Rink. We may remember two years ago that the there was a bit of a fight going on to try and retain the services of the Macquarie Ice Rink in some way, shape or form after there were discussions about it being demolished, which forced the hand of the state government to issue a temporary heritage listing. That... that listing i think expires very soon and there's discussions about revamping the macquarie center now andrew the macquarie center has been an institution at that at that location for years any discussions to upgrade it could only be welcomed at at this stage but it does present its own logistical challenge with it along with the way that that center has been booked yeah look the macquarie center is a um 
it, that you know we're talking about moving targets earlier that that might be the biggest one in the sydney ice hockey landscape currently um is there going to be a rink where is it going to be uh, is there going to be a period of time between this rink and, and the new rink where we won't have one at all at macquarie um there's really just a lot of uh, unknown factors uh, there was also some other challenges with um, with local junior clubs uh, buying up all of the ice time so that there wasn't enough ice time available for two AIHL teams to play out of there. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's challenge after challenge, really, trying to trying to keep uh, the boys on the ice at, at any single location for a, a long period of time. I think Erina will be our fourth home rink in seven years for the Ice Dogs, so that gives you some... Uh, some idea. I don't think too many rugby league teams are moving from footy ground to footy ground like that, um, you know, in, in their landscape. But um, yeah, look, I, I hope that that gets settled sooner than later. As I understand it, the AMP um, uh, people managing all of that do have the new uh, the new application in for DA with the council, um, and everybody at the top end of town is hopeful that that'll go through. Obviously, they they develop um, a lot of. Um, a lot of money goes into these applications, so I don't think they would have gone that far down that road if they didn't think they were going to have success. And Jeremy, I mean, as a player, you've seen some of the locations that have been used for the AIHL for the Sydney teams over the years. Uh, where do you feel Macquarie sat in terms of its place as a, as a venue compared to some of those other locations, and where do you think it could potentially go? Well, the the past the past rink was unplayable. Uh, in a hockey sense for a little while there. But moving forward, I think that if they can really revamp it properly, you know, um, make sure that they get the ice right and get good management in there to kind of fix it up and maybe even put some glass in there somehow and kind of get it, get it revamped and get people excited about it. Talk us through that a little bit. Talk us through what what makes an ice rink, in uh, in the opinion of the players, uh, unplayable itself. Because I imagine there's a lot of people who have probably watched an ice hockey game and they're probably not quite aware of the intricacies of playing on ice. Well, well, it all starts with the ice, obviously. Um, Macquarie had their issues with the pipes kind of popping out. Um, that would be an issue with puck play and just general skating as well because it really dulls your it dulls your skates over time and even even if you hit if you hit like a melted piece of ice um, it can really mess up your blades and almost break them at, at some point too um, but also the glass you know the issue with not having glass and instead having just a net it definitely changes the whole dynamic of the game um, because it's Obviously, you see an NHL game, they have the full set of glass going around the whole rink and um, the fans can get really interactive and get, get close up to the glass and feel like they're actually there instead of, instead of kind of being a little bit further back. So you can, you can, definitely, you can definitely increase the um, – yeah. I mean, I can, I can remember our – I can remember, Andrew, one particular call that we did, uh, which was the Sydney Bears against the Newcastle North Stars. And I think one of the um, one of the shots made actually uh, skimmed off so far that it hit um, the wall behind where we were actually broadcasting from. And that's at the, the, the top corner next to the bar at the Macquarie Ice Centre. Yeah, look, um, it, as Jeremy alluded to, you need a, a consistent... Uh, ice surface that's in good nick um, all over the sheet. Uh, 
Um, you need boards that are consistent and, and that uh, aren't so stiff that they cause injury when guys are running into them. And, and then above the boards, you, you really need glass, uh, as Jeremy's alluded to a couple of times, which is that sort of poly or uh, perspex sheeting that fans can get right up behind and, and watch through. It's like a you know a, a fully see-through window into the game, if you like, that you can be inches away from the action. Um, so the rinks that are most conducive to high-level hockey have all of those three features in place. Uh, and unfortunately, only one in two probably rinks in the country actually offer that uh, at the AIHL level right now. So where where to next in terms of that the interaction with the Sydney, with the Sydney Bears? Given that they're not going to be um, engaging in the competition, they're sending their players back to try and continue the development work. There are ongoing discussions to be had about future. Um, the future exhibition matches. We do know last year that the bushfire special that you had last year raised twenty thousand dollars. It was a huge success, and congratulations to both clubs on coming together to achieve that. Uh, what discussions has been had between the Ice Dogs and the Bears into to have some sort of exhibition matches going forward? Uh, we've uh, I'm I'm in touch with the uh, the governor at the Bears on the semi-regular basis trying to put some stuff together. We tentatively have an exhibition booked for uh, June the 19th at the Macquarie Centre against the Bears, um, and then with them reciprocating back up to us at Erin, I think on July the 10th. Um, don't quote me on the dates. My, my calendar memory is all over the shop. Um, but, yeah, th- those things, are, apart from a few little agreements to be finalised, I think we've, we've reached verbal agreement on those, so that's something to be excited about. Uh, the Sydney derbies are always, um, you know, from our perspective, the, the most well-attended and the most excited and uh, exciting games, um, not only for fans, but I think for the players as well. They all get up for that, um, as any local derby does. Now, the, the that, and that will obviously tie in very nicely with the start of the, of the season proper. Well, actually, no, it'll be partway through the um, the season by that stage, actually, because I'm just having a look now. On the 19th of June, yeah, the Newcastle North Stars and CBR Brave have their double header, so that's a free weekend yeah. pretty much for yourself. So that would absolutely make sense. The, it, we'll be watching very closely to see what happens with the Macquarie Centre. It is an institution. We'll be very curious to see how it sort of pans out. But it sounds like very exciting with the movement to... Arena and the ability to be able to set up. And I think one of the, the great challenges is that, uh, from what I understand, there are better opportunities for revenue raising within the Arena Centre as well. Yeah, look, that all remains to be seen. And we're quietly confident that that, uh, that you know that our games will be well attended and the local community will support it. Um, we also remain confident that, you know, our fans from the uh, Macquarie area, uh, of which there are many, uh, will, you know, at least endeavour to make the trip up uh, the M1 to visit Erin and, and, you know, just see what the facility's like and what it'll have to offer in terms of the hockey viewing experience and and just sort of come to terms with the fact that it's really not that far. Um, people think it's, uh, you know, it's not like driving to Newcastle. Um, when I was playing in Erin, I actually lived on Manly Beach and I used to be able to make it to uh, practices in, in a little under an hour and a quarter each way. So it's certainly not that bad. And that was a good, you know, uh, 14 or 15 years ago. Well, with that, we're going to take a break here and uh, we'll be back with the rest of the discussion around the AIHL uh, and plenty more to go through in in terms of that. This is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, all good podcast sites and brought to you by Atlas Chartered Accountants and the Hornsby Karingai Post. 
We'll be right back. Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We are brought to you today by Atlas Chartered Accountants and the Hornsby Karingai Post. Anthony Caruso joined by Jeremy Vasquez and Andrew Petrie discussing all things AIHL for 2021. We're into the second half of the of the podcast. We're going to have a look at what's happening with some of the other teams at a holistic view and then look at the, the squad itself and the build-up for the Sydney Ice Dogs for the upcoming McCormick Cup. So we just spoke about the Sydney Bears in terms of what's going on on their side. There's a lot of activity, Andrew, with what's happening down south of the Murray with the Melbourne teams with the announcement of the Yarra Cup starting on the 22nd of May. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know a great deal about um, what's happening in, in terms of the, the nuance, but I understand that there's a, uh, the two Melbourne teams will be playing against some sort of a Victorian um, state elite team that will comprise all the best players, I guess, not currently playing for one of the two AIHL teams. Um, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. It's always, for, for me, I'm always interested in the development of local talent. Um, I, I'll be watching that with a keen eye to, to see what comes out of that in terms of emerging, emerging players. And uh, what, what I do know is that it will be starting on the 22nd of May and it will be nine matches on every second Saturday up until August. So a similar time, running time to the McCormick Cup. And it will be then followed up. And this is going to be an interesting one. It could be a very interesting litmus test, Jeremy, in terms of what's going to be, potent- what's going to be possible in 2022 uh, with the Capital Cup tournament involving the two Melbourne teams and the CBR Brave. Yeah, um, I, I, this is the first time I've heard about that, but that sounds that sounds like it'll be a pretty good um, matchup. Well, the, the challenge I've got with this, Andrew, is that this is going to be like the real the real opportunity for the AIHL to see if they can function with teams um, having to travel because they are alternating weeks between playing the games in Melbourne and playing the games in Canberra. Yeah, look, it, it, it is a nice little test, but I, I think once with the re- relaxation of all the COVID rules, that you know we can travel interstate, um, we can put um, unlimited numbers of fans back into the into the buildings. The only uh, question that remains is is can we find the kind of um, corporate sponsorship dollar that we were previously able to uncover? If all three of those pieces come back into place, I don't see any reason why the AIHL can't get up and running uh, as early as next year. Now, the uh, the other announcements that have come through to start off with in regards to Adelaide, the Adrenaline announced that they'll be having a series of intra-club matches. There are currently no plans for any exhibition matches to occur, although they would like some to happen in the second half of the year, potentially with Perth and Melbourne. Um, Adelaide, um, Jeremy, have been a team that has struggled to a certain extent over the last couple of years. This might actually be an opportunity for them to be able to rebuild some talent internally and have a proper assault in 2022. Yes, definitely. They've had a rough few seasons, um, but given the opportunity that has arised, um, they they can really they can really build up their their young talent and their their Aussie core to kind of get them ready for when they do bring in the the imports 
for the uh, full AIHL season. And Andrew, we then come to the Perth Thunder. No formal announcements yet. Perth aren't expected to do anything outside of their state government, and there has been hints that some of it may be uh, that they are a touch gun shy with organ- organising anything due to the very, well, some would say, trigger happy methodologies used by the double WA government to prevent COVID from entering the state. Yeah, look, far be it for me to criticise people in government. Um, they get voted in for a reason, and, and, and you can understand, I think, why some of these uh, uh, state premiers and state governments have shut the gate uh, on COVID. It's a pretty scary thing around the world for sure. But um, I, I know uh, a lot of people at the Perth organisation, I know I know Stan uh, Scott over there very well. Um, if he could possibly play anyone, anytime, he would. Um, if he could make it happen, he'd certainly be... Uh, um, right behind it, he's done wonders over there for the uh, for the Perth ice hockey community at the AHL level for sure. And I know a lot of their players um, absolutely chomping at the bit for competition, as we all are as, as players in every team. And Perth have had a decent record over the last couple of years as well. They wanted to keep that momentum going, but. We, we all acknowledge that this is something that, logistically speaking, just can't happen. Yeah, look, the, the, they have been very competitive. Um, they, you know, they had some teething problems when they came into the league, as, as you would expect, but they've developed local talent uh, very, very well. They've got a couple of guys who are expats who have settled in Perth, which uh, I don't know if you know much about Perth, but it's a wonderful city. Um, it's, it's just a little geographically detached and obviously very expensive um, to run a team out of that uh, out of that city in a, in a league that's largely eastern seaboard de, uh, you know dictated. So where where next for the competition? We've, we've seen the announcements that have come through a series of matches could be occurring over in the in the horizon. but where do we see the transition occurring back? Is, is there a plan from the commission? Um, first off, from you, Andrew, and then in Jeremy's perspective, how do you as a player start to rebuild yourself back up knowing that it is going to be quite a uh, disruptive season, at least with matches in place? Um, yeah, look, from the management side of things, we, there's constant talks. We've had more Zoom meetings at the AIHL governor level in the last six months, uh, eight months probably, than we have uh, in the previous two years. So we're all looking for avenues, possibilities, and, and ways to pull it all back together again. Everybody's confident that that can and will happen. Um, and, and barring any sort of a COVID backflip, um, I really don't see why it won't happen um, in earnest for the 2022 season, which uh, you know will kick off in terms of games in, in April, May 2022. But um, many clubs, if they're anything like the Ice Dogs, are already putting the building blocks in place to make that happen. And from a from a player perspective, I'd say I'd say the opportunity to just play it all is really like we're just all grateful for that. So whether it do whether it is the McCormick Cup or the AIHL season, we're always ready to go and ready to give it a hundred percent. And the having everything having everything sort of coming together in one aspect, you have to sort of phase your way back in both as player and and um, management to get yourself set up. And I think the way that this has been structured with the McCormick Cup in particular, it's going to give you a nice little litmus test. For mind, I think the Capital Cup could be the big clincher if that goes well. Yeah, look, I I think they all need to go well. Hopefully the... um the hunger in the fan base for the sport is is at a very high level everywhere. I think that's really what we all want to see. Um, obviously, you know, 
the players love to play uh, and they probably play to empty buildings, but we don't really have a league that we can talk about on podcasts like this unless we've got a fan base. Um, and all eight clubs have uh, have vigorous fan bases or, or had them running into the end of um, uh, the 2019 season. Uh, it, it had grown in leaps and bounds year on year. I, I can tell you as an ex-player and as someone who's been coaching and managing clubs now since 2014, that the quality of the play of the league has grown exponentially just in the time that I've come back to the game in coaching and management. So um, COVID obviously put a, a ha- pulled a handbrake on a lot of, uh, of various industries and sporting communities throughout the world. Um, and I think that, that, you know, the human condition is to overcome, right? And, and I think that uh, with people driving it um, and the players giving everything they have on the ice, the fans are going to come back and, and we'll have a, a, a probably a league that's more successful than it was uh, in 2019. Let's go into the, uh, ice, the Ice Dog squad for 2021 and how it's looking. Just brought up as a comparison that the squad from the the last, I guess, the last May uh, competitive game that was played, which was, I think, if I remember rightly, back in 2019, it was the weekend that you played against the Bears and then the Mustangs Correct. in the last round of the regular season. Um, the two, the three players to, to bring up for um, straight away, your three almost, you'd say, marquee players in in Dylan Minerka Quayle and the and the Crowder brothers. Yeah. Um, so probably three of uh, three of the top ten imports in terms of quality uh, of player ever to come to the country, um, and uh, yeah, we were very unlucky in that last weekend not to uh, not to earn those two points we needed to make it into the playoffs that year. It would have been interesting to see what we could have done as we you know we sort of turned it on towards the back end of last season. The then going through some of the other, some of the other players to, to sort of mention through that, um, Matthew Monaghan had a had a great week, way to finish off the weekend. In particular, the game against the Bears, where he picked up a goal and a, and an assist. Uh, are we likely to see him back this year? Yeah, I think. Um, look, Matt uh, denied Father Time as long as he possibly could, but uh, you know, Matt's a, a great guy, a great teammate, and a wonderful player, but. I think he's just gotten to a stage in his life. He, he's also, you know, he's got a big ticket job in a, in a high pressure situation in global finance. Um, you know, he's a husband and a, and a father to two young kids. So Matty, I think, is going to take a bit of a rest, take a year off and see if he can get his body right and uh, and potentially reconsider things for, for the AIHL when it comes back next year. So where, where have you um, gone in terms of rebuilding this team? Obviously, with the challenges that we have with no import players, well, virtually no import players, the... The movement is now to, to pick from the juniors. And who, who do you think you have co- lining up from the Ice Dogs to come into the squad? Yeah, look, we've got um, – we're in a fortunate position of having um, – basically our entire core defensive unit will be back. Um, you know, uh, a group of veteran guys led by a couple of very talented young guys will be returning from overseas. Um, we've got our core um, probably – I think five or six of our top ten forwards from last year will all be back. Um, and uh, and then we have a group of young, talented uh, kids that we were looking at already in 2019 um, who I expect at least two or three of these kids to really pop off this year and and, uh, and do incredibly well and stake a claim for a full-time role on the team when the AHL comes back in 21, in 22, sorry. And, and Jeremy, with your with your personal development in that squad and the, the settling that you, you've done in, you, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you now start to look like a senior player in, in this team. How do you feel your role has now developed over the last couple of years and given the responsibility that you've had over the years in the Australian system? 
Well, um, I always love sharing my knowledge with other players, and when we get the, these young talents coming in, you know, I'm always I'm always willing to share what I've learned overseas and kind of bring bring it over to the team and develop develop our young core because it all starts from the it all starts from no matter how young they are or how old they are, you know, everyone's kind of one unit there. And Andrew, from from when you were playing to to now, what what do you think has probably been the three biggest positive moves that we've seen in terms of the quality and the skill of the players within the ice hockey competition? Yeah, at the AIHL level, I'd say expanding league to eight teams. Um, as obviously it's been eight teams now for oh, I want to say six or seven years, um, possibly even longer than that. I, I think that having a you know that level of competition consistently has obviously done wonders for our local talent. Um, the second aspect there is that we've brought in ever-increasing uh, quality of import players. Um, and Jeremy will tell you that the, the best way to improve your, your ice hockey game is to get on the ice with a bunch of guys who are clearly better than you and, and play catch-up. You know, that's the only way that you can bridge the gap. Um, it's a little easier when, you, when you're cruising around the ice and you're already one of the better players, but um, you want to be chasing people all the time when you're in that sort of uh, that hunger to improve. And then the third thing the league's done really well is marketing. Um, and we've managed to, uh, you know, to get um, – we've had a few games now. We've had 1,000 fans uh, pay to come and watch us play, which, which you know, back when I was playing, um, it was my mum and, and maybe my girlfriend at the time. So it's a little bit different uh, from that perspective as well. Just that sort of ramping up of, of, um, of brand awareness and professionalism around the league generally. And the act- any – plans for other activities outside the competition now i do believe and we do have to give a plug for it straight away that you do have a golf day coming up yes we've got our uh, the ice dogs inaugural uh, corporate golf day uh, coming up on the 16th of april which i believe is next friday and that's at the moore park golf club um a lot of kudos goes to uh, to jeremy's mum nicole here for um putting all this together and, and working tirelessly behind the scenes to to pull it together and make it a success so um, at the moment, what we want to do is make this the first of an, of, of an annual event. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been an incredible success to this point, and it should be a hell of a lot of fun next Friday on the day too. I now, um, day. Let, let's have a bit of fun with this. Um, now, I imagine that the, the format of it is uh, a four-ball four ball Ambrose competition, how they usually run. Um are there any players in the squad that you would name right now that would be ones to watch on the golf course and which ones do you think would just be the ultimate hacks? Well, if, if he was going to be there, Matty Monaghan's a guy to watch. I think Matt plays off three um, at the Monash Golf Club Oof. here on the Northern Beaches. So, <laughs> Matty, uh, I, I, had, I hosted a, a golf day up here at my club on the Central Coast at Shelley Beach about uh, probably six, eight weeks ago. Um, yeah, and Matty came up and, and towed us all up, taught us all a bit of a lesson on the golf course. So he, he would definitely be one to watch. Um, and the ultimate hacks, God, that's a take your pick. That's a uh, there's, there's, there's a hodgepodge of ultimate hacks uh, in, in Ice Dogs jerseys on the golf course, that's for sure. Well, look, look, there's one thing I will tell you now. Here on Splinters and indeed Triple H Sports, if there's one thing Jeremy will tell you we always encourage, we expect people to be thrown under the bus. <laughs> so let's hear, let's have it. Who's getting? Who do? You, who would be the three players you would throw under the bus right now in regards to it? Uh, me? Um, yeah. Look, I don't think the players are going to play. I, th- I, th- I think I'm going to play, so I'm going to throw myself under the bus. I'll probably shoot a hundred uh, on the day. 
But, um, yeah, look, uh, a couple of guys with some interesting swings, uh, definitely Grant Toolman and, and Strat Allen, two of our big senior, uh, uh, you know, super tall veterans. Um, and if we could possibly get him out on the golf course, I, I hear that Captain Thomas Manko is just hilarious to watch, um, and that's probably walking up from the car park to the clubhouse, let alone his golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could just imagine some of the antics that's going on right now. And if my experiences with any kind of golf day occurs, something always happens. Um, now, with these, with this as well, I imagine there's going to be a little bit of entertainment, um, probably maybe a special guest or a couple of, uh, you know, fun holes to play. Yeah, I think we're going to have um, we're going to have some putting competitions on the putting green using ice hockey sticks. Um, yep. I'm, I'm not sure if we can talk about uh, alcohol, but I think there's a tequila hole where uh, before teeing off, you have to do a shot of tequila, um, which is interesting. No, no, that's 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 fair enough. That's, no, that's, that's fair enough. The golf days I've the golf days I've done it's a it's the port hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a shot of port, a shot of port at, at nine o'clock in the morning is actually a lot more inviting than what most people think. Yeah. So this is um, we've got an eight eight thirty shotgun start. So uh, I'd hate to be starting on the tequila hole. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't want to do the hole in one after the tequila shots, though. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I will admit the one that we've had in the past, and while while meaning no disrespect, one of the ones we used to have with our cricket club was the Happy Gilmore hole. Um, which I, I, I even have to admit has seen its fair share of broken clubs <laughs> in the process. I'm surprised. Um, no, absolutely not. I think one of them was a, uh, a guy brought out his favorite driver, went to hit it and actually snapped the head right off and the head went further than the ball. That's an expensive hole. <laughs> Very expensive. <laughs> So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Sixteenth of sixteenth uh, of April. There are. I imagine there's still tickets available for that. I think there's about four or six, four to six spots left in the whole field. Um, definitely, I think it's. Uh, you go to www.icedogs.com. Um, if I've got that incorrect, surely we can correct it later. But um, yeah, I think there's four or six spots still left in that in that full field of eighteen holes for the shotgun start. Looking forward to that one. Should be absolutely um, awesome. Uh, and then, I guess one of the one of the more pointed questions that we've got: the long term plans for a permanent hole. The move to Erina, looking forward to it. Macquarie likely to go under reno, um, renovations. The plan to come out of that is Erina. Is there a chance that Erina could become either like a, a long term home for new home for the Sydney Ice Dogs, or will this be a location that you may look at and go, well, you know what, we might actually play a couple of games here throughout the course of a season, maybe play like the odd game with Newcastle here, for example, just to make sure that we do keep in touch with this new base? Yeah, look, it's um, that's all up in the air. I, you know, conversations with the management and then, you know, I coach the team as well as uh, be the governor of the team. So I have all the conversations with management uh, and then you speak to the player group as well. And um, initially the playing group, uh, didn't want to come to to Erina because of the travel involved. Now I think that that's kind of relaxed a little bit once that everyone realizes how easy it is. Um, you know, the fact that we practice at a at a very reasonable hour of the night. They're actually in bed an hour and a half earlier practicing at Erina than they would be if we practiced at Macquarie, which is you know forty five minutes. I heard right about this. Um, so you know we're going to have um, set set start and finish times on the weekends on Saturdays and Sundays. So we'll have some uniformity around that. We, you know, it's not moving around the place. It, you know, the facility, um, not to rubbish 
uh, Macquarie in any way, but it's a much more modern facility with with proper hockey uh, locker rooms and showering facilities, and and you know it's it's kind of dragged us kicking and screaming into the twenty first century. Um, but um, it, as far as longevity, it's impossible to say at this point. There's just again, hate to keep repeating myself, but so many moving targets. It, it, it was. It was a monumental effort just to get us up here for this uh, for this coming Super Series, let alone uh, any sort of a future uh, long-term. So, well, with that, I think it's just about full-time here on Splinters. Look, we the acknowledgement is there. It won't be an easy, easy season for the clubs and for the competition itself. But as we have seen with the players that are involved with the competition, um, the commission the people running the clubs themselves have shown to be just as resilient with getting some sort of action on the ice to occur. We can't wait for even just something to, to happen. And I think it's only going to make that recovery just that bit better. Yeah. We're looking cool. forward to it. The relationship we've got with the, with the ice dogs, I think it's something that, that's starting to grow. Who knows? You know, if there's the odd Friday night game that pops up, maybe we might have to do some sort of uh, call um, but we'll have we'll let the powers that be decide where we go with that. I want to start off by thanking our two guests, Jeremy Vasquez and Andrew Petrie, for joining us on the show, especially at such short notice for this. We wish them all the best, and I can guarantee you these two might be on the show fairly regularly throughout the course of the season. Thanks very much for having me, Anthony. Yeah, cheers, Anthony. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, all good podcast sites. And, of course, we were brought to you today by Atlas Chartered Accountants and the Hornsby Karingai Post. On behalf of Jeremy and Andrew, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Yeah.